Heavenly Father, we pray that this evening you will open our ears. Help us to know your voice. May we hear you speaking and not my words. May we recognize afresh your unfailing love. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder what image springs to your mind as you think of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Perhaps it's a bit like the one on the screen. Perhaps you picture a gentle Jesus, possibly with a glowing yellow halo around his head, carrying a fluffy, cuddly lamb in his arms. Perhaps there's a blue sky and lush green grass. I'm afraid if that's your picture, I'm about to shatter it. Because the reality of being a shepherd was being alone with the sheep. You needed to be tough and fearless. There was the ever-present danger of wolves. There could even be lions, panthers and bears. Thieves would hide and try and snatch a lamb that straggled at the end of the line. It was rare for a shepherd to die defending his sheep, but it was possible. So what does it mean for us to call Jesus the Good Shepherd? Perhaps if you can open your Bibles or keep them open at John chapter 10, and we're on page 1076 in the Church Bibles. Have a look at verse 10, or rather verse 11 of that chapter, and it makes it very clear that the Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's there again in verse 15. But this time, we've got no doubt that Jesus is referring to himself. It says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Scan down to verses 17 and 18, and it's repeated again. The picture of Jesus as the good shepherd isn't a sentimental picture, of a shepherd cuddling a lamb. It's a profound statement of who Jesus is and why he came into the world. In the picture we've got in John's Gospel, the shepherd gives his life to save the sheep from wolves. In our case, Jesus gave his life to save us from the equally real threat of death itself. I'm sure we all know those really well-known words in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
We remember the bit about God giving his son. We remember the bit about eternal life. But we forget what we've been saved from. We've been saved from death. But what's more amazing in these verses is that Jesus doesn't just lay down his life. He lays it down voluntarily. Have a look at verse 18 of our passage. And it says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. It's a bit like the story of the French soldier in the First World War. And he was so badly injured in battle that the surgeon who was operating on him had no choice but to amputate his arm. He leant over him as he came round, knowing that he had to impart the dreaded news. Sir, you've lost your arm. But the soldier replied, I did not lose it, I gave it for France. Christ didn't lose his life, he gave it. Have a look at verse 11, and we've got that same small word that the soldier used, for. He lays down his life for the sheep. It's there again in verse 15. These verses were addressed to a Jewish audience. But verse 16 says that he has sheep from another fold. That's the Gentiles. It's me, and I suspect it's you too. These verses apply equally to Jews and Gentiles. The good shepherd gave his life for us to save us from perishing. But a dead shepherd isn't a lot of use because he'd leave the sheep completely exposed to the wolf. But that's not the case here, though. Verses 17 and 18 tell us that the shepherd lays down his life only to take it up again. Jesus, the good shepherd, will rise from the dead to be an everlasting shepherd. Yes, of course the image of the good shepherd speaks of tender, loving care, but it says so much more than that. Let's not relegate it to a romantic image for children's picture books. Instead, let's recognize what it is. It's a very deep theological statement of who Jesus is and why he came into the world. Even those words, I am the good shepherd, remind us of Exodus, of God speaking to Moses from the burning bush, I am who I am. They remind us of the Old Testament passages where God is our shepherd. They prepare us for the words that follow in John chapter 10 and verse 30, where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. 
those five simple words, I am the good shepherd, speak of Jesus' divinity, of his willing death for us on the cross, and his victorious resurrection. Is it surprising that the early Christians in the catacombs painted a picture of Jesus as the good shepherd more frequently than lots of other images? Let's hear afresh those words tonight. I lay down my life for the sheep. And so it follows that if Jesus is the good shepherd, then we are the sheep. My mind goes back to standing on this very platform probably about three years ago. And Ben Artis, one of our former lay pastoral assistants, was interviewing me about Holiday Club. I had lots of ideas in my mind of things I could say about Holiday Club, but he completely floored me with his opening question. If you were a chocolate bar, which chocolate bar would you be? And my mind went absolutely blank. There was a long pause while I thought, and then I gave an answer which I knew was really inane. If someone said to you, which animal would you like to be? I suspect it might have a similar effect. You'd have to think for a while. And then you might say something majestic like a lion or an eagle, something intelligent like a dog. We're hardly likely to say a sheep. We all know, don't we, that sheep are pretty stupid creatures. I'm reminded of Andy and I on holiday in Yorkshire last year, and we went for a walk one evening after a meal, and we walked past a field of sheep. And in the field was a barn, a bit like the one on the screen, with steps going up the side. And one sheep had rather stupidly climbed up the steps and was facing a closed door at the top. But there wasn't just one sheep on the steps. A whole row of them had followed. And we were left wondering however they were going to get down. The only way appeared to be for the whole row to reverse, and I wasn't sure that the sheep were capable of that. Sheep don't seem to have much of a brain, do they? They need someone to guide them. Yet, as I read this passage, I can't help feeling that it's a privilege to be a sheep in the good shepherd's flock. So let's have a look and see what it means for us to be one of Christ's sheep today. If we go back to the beginning of our passage, and we're in verses 1 to 6 of the passage, and it tells us that the good shepherd leads us. The setting in these verses, is a village. Each person in the village would only own 
a few sheep. And so, at night, all the sheep from the village would be gathered together in one place. They'd be in a walled enclosure, and it would have a secure door. And so, someone, probably a young boy or possibly even a young girl, would be employed to be the doorkeeper. In the morning, when the right person came to collect the sheep, the doorkeeper would open the door. And the sheep would follow their shepherd because each shepherd would have their own individual call. There might be lots of sheep all moving down a narrow street, but the sheep would follow their shepherd because they recognised his voice. It's even been shown that if someone imitates the shepherd and dresses in the shepherd's clothes and imitates the shepherd's call exactly, the sheep won't follow. They will, as our passage suggests, actually run the other way. They know the shepherd's voice. In England, we see sheep herded from behind, don't we? Probably by a sheepdog. But that isn't the case here. The shepherd would go ahead, checking for danger, just as Jesus, our shepherd, leads us. I'm reminded of Joe Dade, who many of you may know as a former member of our congregation who died last year. And at his funeral... Someone stood here and said his favourite expression was T-L-G-B. And I must admit, I was slightly confused by that to start with, until someone explained that it's the initials of the words, the Lord goes before. Jesus, our shepherd, goes ahead of us. If we're not sure which path to take, Jesus leads us. But of course, it's a two-way process. You can't listen or you can't follow if you're not listening. We have a responsibility to listen. Verse 3 says, the sheep listen to his voice. We need to spend time with Jesus Do we simply reel off a list of prayer requests? Or do we take time to be still, to find out what he might be saying to us? Do we read his word expecting him to speak to us? More than ever, there are voices all around us, aren't they, that clamour for our attention. The internet, the media perhaps even other sheep. Do we spend enough time listening to the Good Shepherd? But Jesus doesn't simply lead a flock of sheep. He leads us individually. If you look at verse 3, it tells us that he calls his own sheep by name. An eastern shepherd didn't keep a large flock of sheep. 
for meat like we do. He would keep just a small flock of sheep for wool and for milk. And so the same sheep would be with him for a long period. They would be with him all day. He would get to know everything about them. He might have pet names for them, like Black Nose or Curly. He would know their weaknesses. He'd know their temperaments. It had never actually struck me that sheep had different temperaments until I was watching the Yorkshire Vet program a few weeks ago. I don't know if any of you saw it, but one week it featured a rather bizarre family who kept two pet sheep who, if you can believe it, lived in the house. And one of them was very docile, and the other one was completely belligerent and awkward. Jesus knows us individually. He knows our weaknesses, and so we can trust him to lead us. He even knows those things that we manage to hide from those who know us best. Think of those words that we can probably almost recite from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. The sheep were called out of their sheep pen daily. Every day they had to listen. But not just listen, they had to follow. They followed the shepherd who leads and goes before and who still calls us daily to follow him. Secondly, if we move on to verses 7 to 10, the good shepherd gives life. And this time we're in a different setting. The flock isn't in the village. It's in the open wilderness. And in the summer, grass would be scarce and the shepherd would have to take his sheep further and further in search of pasture. There would be various walled enclosures around, a bit like the one on the screen. And at night, the shepherd would lead his sheep into the enclosure. And because there was no gate, he would literally lie across the entrance and be the gate. He's the one who leads them in to find security. He's the one who lets them out in the morning to find lush grass. He wants them to have life to the full, to have, if you like, fat, contented, flourishing sheep. In the same way, Jesus is the gate. He's the only way to find spiritual security, the only way to find spiritual nourishment. He wants us to have life to the full, to have, if you like, a super abundance. The world tries to tell us lots of ways, doesn't it, that we can have life to the full. Materialism, 
Adventurous experiences seem to be the in thing. I tried Googling life to the full, and it came up with lots of self-help books around eliminating stress. Jesus doesn't promise us a life without difficulty, but he does promise us the deep joy of knowing him. Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, verse 3, helps us to know what life to the full means. Now this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowing God is at the heart of an abundant life. And not just knowing about him, but knowing him. Paul's continual prayer for the Ephesians was that they might know God better. I wonder what our church would look like if we constantly prayed that prayer for ourselves and for each other. Finally, The good shepherd loves us. Verses 11 to 18. We've already seen that he loved us enough to die for us. He's the shepherd lying across the gate of the sheep pen who gives his life for the sheep. But there's another amazing truth in these verses that we didn't look at earlier. Look again at verses 14 and 15. The beginning of verse 14, we've met before in verse 1. I am the good shepherd. The end of verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep, isn't new either. But have a look at the middle of those verses. It expands the whole idea of the mutual knowledge of the shepherd and the sheep and takes it to a realm that's totally beyond our understanding. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. The word know in John's Gospel speaks of a really intimate relationship. Christ seeks a communion with us that's so deep that it's compared to his relationship with his Father. I don't know about you. I can't begin to get my head around that, yet alone explain it. It's too profound, too amazing. What I do know, though, is that when someone pays a huge price to save someone else, that creates a very special relationship. It's a bit like the story of the American airline pilot whose plane flew into a flock of birds and its engines shut down. He managed to save all 155 passengers and crew by landing safely on the Hudson River. A year later, 
a reunion was held between the pilots and those who'd been on the plane. And those passengers greeted the pilot and embraced him with tears. Yet that picture is only a shadow of what Jesus has done for us. The pilot didn't lay down his own life. Christ did. The pilot saved his passengers out of duty, not love. He saved them just for this life, not for eternity. Yet I wonder, do we respond to Christ with that same sense of being saved? Or as time goes on, do we begin to take it for granted? Do we listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd as closely as we used to? Are we experiencing life in all its fullness? Or have we forgotten that a desire to know Christ better should be at the very heart of our relationship with him? Or perhaps you've never even acknowledged that Christ died in order that you might live. He calls you to follow him, to enter into his abundant life, to know him in an inexpressibly deep and intimate way. Christ, the Good Shepherd, knows our every weakness, yet he loves us so much that he willingly laid down his life for us. Let's seek to enter fully into the amazing blessings of being one of his sheep. Let's pray. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Lord Jesus, no one else knows us as intimately as you do. No one else can ever love us as deeply. May we seek to know and love you with our whole heart. Amen.